Welcome to The Hungry Blogger. My name is Anne. I'm your host, your speaker, and your bestie in business. The Hungry Blogger is your safe space where we discuss all of our hungers for food and success and tips and inspiration to stay motivated on our creative journey. Grab a seat, a cup of tea, or coffee, and let's kick it off. Hi everyone, welcome to the third episode of the Hungry Blogger podcast. Today we have a very special speaker, Anjali from Be Extra Vegan. I invited her to the podcast because I was very inspired by her when I started my content creation journey on Instagram. And since then, we have developed a friendship where we support each other on our journey. We give each other feedback and we share knowledge and experience. I remember she following me when I was below 1,000 followers and I was very touched by that <laughs> no my question was how many followers did I have back then that it was it was such a big deal <laughs> you have like I think 10,000 I think yeah I think so yeah it was around that time <laughs> it was a time where you start growing yeah okay? and then I was like I was at the beginning like I wasn't seeing that much growth and mm-hmm. it was quite demotivating. So to have like a bigger creator follow me, it's like a sign that I'm doing something right. So I really appreciate it. Yes, of course. It was it was too adorable to to not follow your content and you. Uh, I saw it. I'm like, this girl, I like her. I like her content. Anyway, continue. I, I interrupted you. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> um. Yeah. I'm really inspired by her content and I think her content is super unique. She shares her personal stories, she shares her humor, her personalities, not only her food. So people stay with her, not only for her food, but also her humor and personality. She is one of my biggest inspirations and I'm very thankful to have you here today. thanks and wow I don't even know how to how to react to that but um yeah that's that's really nice of you to say all of that because at this point you know how how in how much you inspire me as well just because of how much you've grown from the time let's say when you had like 1000 followers and now look at you you're here with your own course and you have another a whole other business you have so many aspects to your business you inspire me on a daily basis so it's glad that we can inspire each other let's say (laughs) so okay um Hi everyone, I'm Anjali, the creator of Be Extra Vegan. I'm on Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, Pinterest, and now I have my own website. I share basically veganized Indian recipes um, with as many twists as possible, as Anne mentioned, you know, by sharing my personal stories or being my goofy self. Um, And that's just how I, I mean, that's just how I am. And that's what I like to share with my audience. And uh, when it comes to Indian food, it's, it's always nice because being vegan being vegetarian I think Indian food is great because a lot of food is just naturally vegan or just you can just swap out a few ingredients and it becomes vegan it's just so easy and I want to share that with the world and that's that's basically what my brand is all about and I'm soon going to have a cooking course as well and um (laughs) and yeah so basically that's that's what be extra vegan is all about And can you give us a background of how you started your food blogging and content creation journey? Okay, yeah, sure. Uh, so, I mean, I was not one of those kids who, who grew up learning cooking from their moms, aunts, etc. I was completely like the opposite way. I was like, no, I'm not going to enter the kitchen. So naturally, when I became an adult and started living by myself, 
it soon became i mean it became very apparent to me that cooking is a life skill that i missed out on uh, learning when as a child so i had like go crazy cooking and like start with burnt food and then i started i get started getting better and better with time and especially like during the confinement so after i came for my phd in france um confinement happened and suddenly you know it's the comfort food that people go to um around that time i think most people started want getting more interested in cooking and and i went like extra hard on indian food and i also turned vegan then and when you're vegan suddenly you feel all the more alone because none of your friends are vegan and suddenly you're you're different so i started my instagram basically because of that because i wanted to share my food with people and the things that i learned and and yeah i started my instagram and in fact back when i started was 2 years ago that was a time that um reels were just like they just rolled out reels and so i was really interested because i was always a video content person and they rolled out reels and i was like yeah this is for me and i i jumped on the reels band bandwagon as soon as possible i think i was horrible at first it took me one year actually to get better and that's when i it took me one year to get to 10000 when when i found you that was the time when i started growing a bit because my content started becoming better but yeah i took my sweet time but yeah this is that's how i started my my blogging journey basically so uh in the beginning which platform did you start first and which ones worked best for you so in the beginning it was instagram my main goal at that time i'm i was a big youtube person like i said i'm a, a video person um i i wanted to start youtube as well but i started instagram i started youtube um and i had this like mini website with wix back then i just i just found that so easy so i i opened wix wix and i used to put up my recipes in like a very bad format no seo optimization search engine optimization or anything like that um but pretty soon i realized that it's just not possible trying to manage phd instagram youtube and wix as well um so i i put up two videos i think on youtube back then and then i stopped i i stopped youtube i thought instagram is more i can handle it more uh, easier it's just um, shorter content i can also put like carousels or just a single picture back then when photos were a thing on instagram as well um static posts i mean and so i stuck to instagram initially i only only did instagram for one year i think i was only concentrating on instagram and yeah that was the platform that i stuck to and and i could grow quite well especially with the help of reels slowly and steadily so you were saying that you were doing your phd at the same time you started um your content creation journey so is i imagine that is probably very challenging to balance it. and how did you find how did you find balancing between your phd and content creations and do you have any tips for people who are starting content creation during a full time job or study yeah uh wow <laughs> when i think back to that time it was so crazy like i my my schedule was so crazy i would wake up at 4:35 a.m. in the morning and i would you know edit or or film even because i had like these cheap lights that i had back then and i so i would try to film in the darkness of 5:30 a.m. in europe that is uh it was and then so it was either filming editing or like trying to trying to interact with people on on instagram connect with people etc 
And so that was my morning time until let's say 8.30, I would quickly have breakfast, run for my PhD to the lab because I was working at a research lab. So I had to, I had to and it was you know really my nine to five, um, 5.30 to six a lot of times. Sometimes, I mean, I would not push it more than seven back then, uh, even though, you know, usually with PhDs, you constantly hear people saying that, oh, I worked until eight or whatever, but I didn't have that liberty because I had to come back and again, create content. So I would try to finish as much work as I could between nine to five um and then come back and then go quickly have dinner whatever maybe if I could work out I would work out and then and then start working again until 9 9 30 before I would just I would die I, I would be so exhausted and I would go to sleep and then on weekends I would be filming reels so yeah I was basically working all the time let's say I did not have a lot of free time so that's what I did back then looking back I feel like maybe I could have taken it a bit slower like I did go really crazy but then I also did that uh, because I only have one year left for my PhD to get over with and I was just thinking that I need to I need to do this like I need to get something out of this be at a position after my PhD that I can um, you know finally do content creation let's say I mean I did not know if I would go be able to go full-time with it but at least like part-time so maybe if I could find a part-time job with research and then part-time I could do content creation I wanted to get to a point and that's why um, that's why I went crazy doing that schedule so I, I went crazy doing managing PhD plus content creation but for people who are doing this let's say with a full-time job and content creation I would suggest that they stick with one platform and rather than trying to do multiple things that I tried back then and failed horribly so my my biggest tip would be stick to one platform and don't try to put out like people say like you should put out like one uh, video every day or whatever don't do that I put out just one video per week and I could grow so really it's about being consistent with the number of videos that you put out let's say per week it doesn't matter how many videos they are even if it's just one just put out that one video per week I had a religious schedule which I still do which is like one video per week exactly back then it used to be every Wednesday now I'm a bit more like clean with me with that time I could do Tuesday Wednesday or Thursday but yeah one video per week yeah, consistent more than frequency. Exactly. exactly, quality over quantity as well. And so did you start your food blocking journey two years ago with the intention of monetizing in the beginning or did it start purely as a hobby or a creative project and then it evolved from that? Initially, it was really just a hobby project. I I had dreams that one day would be, so that's why I started YouTube. I was thinking, oh, I'm going to blow up on YouTube and I'm going to get like AdSense as soon as I start putting out videos because, you know, it's just going to be that amazing. But what people don't understand, I guess, at the beginning, especially me, I didn't understand that there was a huge difference between like watching content that you understand is good and understanding what content is good or bad by just the looks of it and actually doing it and executing it. Like to execute, you have to have so many skills, expertise, uh, experience so you need to actually fail and try and fail to get to that point where you can create good content so yeah I mean I thought that this would happen it did not so my intention was just as a hobby project um, I did not know I would be able to monetize at all uh, I don't know it, it to me it was like honestly back then I just wanted like free products on Instagram because I saw a lot of people getting like free gifts from brands I was like oh it would be great if I could get like a few free products and like 
that would be great. I did not know that you could actually, I didn't even know that you could monetize your blogs. I was that stupid. I was, I, I, I didn't understand websites. I thought, oh yeah, there's a website with recipes. I never thought about it. But yeah, with time, you know, it took me two years to, to understand how business works. But, yeah. but you got there and you did blow up on YouTube. <laughs> yeah, wow. That was a thing. I don't know how that happened, but wow. So like look looking back at, at your journey, do you think like you have achieved a lot during those two years? More than your expectation, maybe? Oh yeah, for sure. For sure. For sure. Yeah, that's true. I mean, when I look back, I, I do see so many mistakes that I've made. Um, just from like trying to be there for everything, trying to like trying to be different things at time. Like at the beginning, I think I used to do put out fitness content and like food content. So I, I understand my mistakes, but I also understand those, those were necessary to get to the point that I am. I never knew that I could go full-time being a content creator and also like have a business mindset with that. I never knew this was possible for me. I didn't I didn't even know what that was <laughs> two years ago. So I guess, yeah, you could say that I accomplished a lot. I mean, that too, like a lot of people also like leave their jobs and quit and stuff. Like I, I managed to complete my PhD as well because that was something very important for me. I wanted to complete my PhD and not like leave it in between. Um, it, so just being able to do that along with this and like go full-time right after the PhD, that was, yeah, I, I'm quite happy with with how things turned out. Yeah, that's amazing because you have like you have did the best of both worlds. Like you did the academic, but you also do your passion business. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's although some people are not very happy about me leaving the academics, but let's just say that's a reality of life. <laughs> At least you are happy, so yeah. that's all it that matters. <laughs> I agree. Okay, so the topic we are talking about during this podcast episode is monetization. There are many forms of monetization for a content career, such as food blog display ads, affiliate marketing, brand partnership, and very, very many more. So the idea of today is to give you an introduction of different ways that you can monetize your content. You can make it into a profitable side hustle or eventually as a full-time career. And so I want to ask for your experience. At which point on your content creation journey did you start monetizing your content? So it's it's very distinct. Like I can remember the first time I was paid for my content and that was, uh, well, actually, okay, I was going to mention something else, but the very first time I got, I, I earned $2 was from my very first affiliate marketing. And it was with, <laughs> with this brand called Coconut Bowls. And I joined as their affiliate and I could, I managed to sell like one coconut bowl and I got like 2% commission from that. And, and that's it. And that was, that's the only thing I sold. Like one person bought it uh, and that's it. But after that, like the real money that I first time earned was like about $40 for this really small brand in India. And they reached out to me and they were really, they were, I mean, they wanted to work with me and everything. And that was around the time I had like 10,000 followers. This was, um last to last year december oh wait last year december my god I'm, i'm losing time here last december so um that was the first time i monetized but i think you are much better when it comes to monetization i feel that's why i really look up to you because i feel like i still haven't been able to explore like the actual kind of monetization that in that influencers are able to get in terms of brand deals i get basically no brand deals so basically all my 
monetization i think the majority of my income comes from freelance work and then i have had like a few once in a blue moon i've had a, a brand deal and then this summer i could monetize youtube so yeah these are the different ways that i monetize my vlog oh also my website i have google adsense on my website with which i earn about like 40 dollars per month which is that's something yeah that's something's better than nothing so there's that but my major source of income is still freelance work so i but i guess for you it's much better i feel you have like long term brand deals and everything yeah i i think maybe our approach to monetization is a bit different so i i also started vetian purely as a hobby as a creative expression uh platform so it was also like that but then i think a few months in i realized that i really enjoyed the process so i did not think that i would enjoy it because like i'm not that good at cooking like um oh. when people say like when pe- when people say i'm good at cooking that i wouldn't believe them like i wouldn't think that i'm good at cooking because i always think that there are so many people who are good at cooking and then i don't have any culinary experience i don't have any training i work in, in a restaurant once so i kind of like shame not shame myself but like i did not think that i was good at cooking so i did not think that oh this is something i can do but then once i start doing it a lot of people started complimenting me and i start having good results from it like in terms of comments messages or people trying my recipe and saying it's good so that one it kind of gave me like a confident boost and it kind of mm-hmm. validates the idea that i'm actually good at cooking i did not think it was but I, And now I say that I I'm, I'm good at cooking and I have proof that it is. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So actually I feel like um so I was reading a book called Ikigai so it's like a way of being. It's Ikigai, mm-hmm. the Japanese saying that it's like your purpose of life. Mm-hmm. It's like something it's like an intersection between something you are good at, it's something that you are passionate about and something that you can inspire or you can make money out of it. And then I feel like Betia was exactly what my ikigai is. I think maybe six months in I realized that. I think maybe I realized it earlier on the journey, but at that point like at the six month mark when it kind of hit me that maybe this is like my true calling that is really cheesy mm-hmm. but it just had that kind of epiphany yeah. so i started looking into monetization and i'm kind of a nerd so like i really like mm-hmm. doing research i like mm-hmm. researching how other people can do and then i google a lot of other careers like what they do so a lot of them they start with um brand partnership because like mm-hmm. with instagram is really good for brand partnership and for me I think Instagram was like like you as well. It was growing very very fast for me. It was my most effective platform. Mm-hmm. So I started looking into brand partnership. So I look into um yeah, just different way that you can do it. So first you have collect like a contact list and then you have a a media kit where you pitch the brand and your engagement score and then I do, just do research on different brand that I can collaborate with. I also go to networking events to see if there are any representative out there that they can like they can notice me or I can just like get myself out there and share my contact just to show that I'm offering this service. Mm-hmm. So like that and I just established contact I think over three months and then I have some people who are interested in working with me so I realized that that one was quite 
promising. So I kept doing it. And at first it wasn't stable at all. Like I think I have one collaboration every three months or something. But then um, I realized that the brand collaboration, it was a long process. So you first meet them. So, so that's like the point where you call them a good lead. So and then you build that relationship with them, and then at one point maybe you reach out, you you maintain that contact. Mm-hmm. So you maybe like um, if there's a brand on Instagram, you would comment on the post, or they you would like the post, or interact with them just so that they remember you. And then at that at one point when they have an opportunity opens, or if they have marketing budget, then they will reach out to you. So like that's what I did and it really works for me because I got some long-term brand collaborations from the brands that I knew in January. So I started the contact in January. So I, I was built up that contact for a long time with them. And then when the time is right, like they contact me and then the opportunity create. So I just like took it. Yeah. So actually it's like quite a long-term process um, behind it. Like people see influencers or content creators they get paid all the time but it's not really that easy because it takes a long time to build that trust and that contact and that show your expertise because Mm -hmm. there are it's quite a tough competitive market like there's so many people who create content Mm -hmm. then it has to be something that you stand out and I think for me it's like the fact that I build that relationship with them over Mm -hmm. the period of time and they trust me and they trust my expertise and my community Mm-hmm. yeah and also I look into blog monetization for me now it's like I earn about 120 mm-hmm. euro per month mm-hmm. which is like not that high but it's I'm I'm actually quite proud of it because the first month that I monetize which is in January of this year I earned two dollars per month <laughs> and then now it's like 120 so it's actually a huge improvement yeah. from that and like the thing with the blog is also a long-term process so you grow it gradually but when you reach like a 50,000 benchmark or 100,000 then you will grow exponentially in terms of income so this is like what I think in mind so when I think of monetization I don't think about short terms but I think like a long-term plan so I have like a vision in my head of how it's gonna go gradually because it's like a long game it's like a marathon and you have to really enjoy the process and the journey exactly for sure in, in terms of blogs like once you get to fifty thousand, you can uh, sign up with media media vine yeah. or 100 we can sign up with ad thrive so it's it's really exponential like at this point i think you and i have a similar uh blog um uh, traffic i think thirty thousand sessions per month and but yeah anyway but getting back to what you said it's it's about building relations and everything and honestly like I have I, I was also like super into doing the research on how to monetize and how other bloggers were doing it and really like during my PhD also like I took a huge amount of time also during the weekends let's say or, or during the in the mornings to research on how monetization was done and I think I remember like back then I was thinking oh yeah once I get to 10,000 I can maybe monetize the way these other bloggers that I'm seeing who are uh, creators who are monetizing, getting brand deals at like 20,000, 30,000 followers. I tried to get, so I, until I got to 30,000, I thought, oh yeah, now I'm going to get my brand deals. But I didn't. So I said, like, oh, maybe I should reach 100,000 and then I will get some brand deals. I reached 100,000, still didn't happen. And the thing is, I was all still reaching out heavily to brands. I was uh, commenting on their posts and everything. And I still, I at this point, I can say like, I have like a good relationship with a couple of brands. 
the only problem that I see in terms of me getting the deals that the the real challenge that I'm finding myself is that uh is that they assume that I won't be able to sell to a western audience like I I feel like I've done all that but yet I don't get it and it's Indian brands who want to work with me because they feel like my content is for Indians which which is fine like I want to work with Indian brands too but then what they pay is not enough for me to sustain my business business here in France Mm -hmm. yeah so there's only a very few brands that I could work with who were able to pay that they were good brands but it's very rare that you find Indian brands paying that much and western brands don't want to sign me up just because they like one brand I remember like outright told me when I when I like I messaged them I've been using that product like their product for quite a while I said that hey I've been like posting and you know they also replied yeah your content is great and I said like let me know if we could work they're like oh sorry we don't want to we don't sell to India and I said yeah but majority of my audience is not from India like only 30 percent of my audience Instagram audience are Indians the rest are from outside they're from the US UK etc and and they said oh can you share your insights with us and I and I did and yet they never they didn't reply they didn't say anything about it like oh yeah we'll we'll pass it on to our team and that's it so this is this is what I've been seeing so I don't know maybe so that's why I thought okay brand deals not for me it's it's just not working I I barely get any and I feel like that's a common problem I guess people of color have to face uh, in general like they just assume like I I know this other brand uh, other um, creator called Eat, Eat with Afia I don't know if you know her she used to be the Canadian African so she's basically um, a West African. I think she's Ghanaian and mm-hmm. she's a vegan food content creator and she lives in Canada. And she says that she doesn't get brand deals as well compared to, let's say, the more um, white Canadian creators who are living in Canada as well. She doesn't get them. She just Brands just don't want to work with her. I guess they assume that her content is for Africa. So which which I guess it's not the, the case but anyway this is a very difficult topic but basically that's this is what I feel is what I'm facing right now which is which is fine it gives me the push to actually work find other kinds of uh, monetization methods for myself uh, I also have your same problem like yeah. I have an international audience so I mm-hmm. kind of look at brands who have an international market so like in Europe or worldwide yeah. um, and yeah those are like but like the problem is that those brands are quite big and a lot of creators reach out, so it's hard to compete. Yeah, I think, okay, I have a background in marketing and I think maybe that helps me because that kind of helped me sell my brand. Like I I would do all those research and I would think, like I, I'm always a strategic thinker. Like I don't, I always think in like a sense that makes sense. Like logically in terms of business, I would think what is my ideal client? And then I would, define the ideal client and have that vision inside my head and those brands that reach out are normally fall within that ideal client and then once I have them on board like I really really try to impress them with my content like my content but also like add a support so like if they share something nice I will share it back on my story and I say that mm. I really enjoy this brand and I make sure that the brand I collaborate with are the one that I really enjoy and my audience can see that I actually enjoy the brand like I don't do it only for the money yeah, yeah so I think like I have that strategic <laughs> strategic part behind my brain so m- maybe in that sense so maybe that's something that you can try 
Mm-hmm. But it's really interesting. It's really interesting that we have different type of monetization. Like we are both Instagram food content creators, but you monetize via uh, freelance work and YouTube. And then I'm more on food blog and yeah. my brand collaboration. So there are just so many different ways that you can do and different type of monetization work with different people. Yeah. But I see that there are also a lot of local content creators so for example i live in sweden there are swedish content creators who probably will have more likely chance to collaborate with swedish brand than me even though they have less followers but it's just because they are very targeted in that market yeah so those those swedish brand they will know that like all of their most of their audience are swedish so they are targeting the right customers so it's not true that more followers are easier to monetize yeah For like sometimes sure. if you have a niche sometimes if you have a niche market it's it's much easier so if you only have 2,000 followers yeah. but most of your followers are in one country then it will be easier to grab brand deals than if you have 100,000 followers but scattered around all the world, over the world. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> for sure for sure I see a lot of like French creators as well for example like they have yeah just like even 3,000, 4,000 and they get like the same brand that I want to work with and they're getting like consistent, like a uh, long-term brand deal with that brand. And I'm like, mm, it's just because, yeah. Yeah. If I, if only I were French or if I, if, if I were in India, you know, if I were in India right now, I think I would get a lot more brand deals. So it's, it's really, that's true. Like being local, that also makes a huge difference. I think for you and I, we have that challenge in terms of like yeah. living away from uh, the kind of content that we create from, from our country. But that's also like a nice thing that we have so many people from different places and we have like diversity. So yeah, that's also really that. nice. And I, and like because of that, so like because it's hard to get brand collaboration when you have an international audience. I also, that's why I started looking into um, food block monetization because it was like with long form platform like blogs or YouTube is based like the monetization is based on the location of your reader. So if your reader read it in the US and it worked out according to the advertising fee in the US. So it's like that. So the RPM the, is the thing. Is the nice thing about those kind of long form platform is that you can, you can work everywhere. You can work anywhere and then you can still earn money because people read your blogs or people watch your YouTube, no matter where they are. Oh, yeah, yeah. So that's why I look into it. Completely. No, I agree with you in that terms, because I feel like uh, when you are reliant on brand deals for, for your income, it, it, it holds you down and binds you down to this one form of, I guess you have to like live there or you, you and I, I think we can like travel wherever we want and we will still get uh-huh. paid just because of our monetization is, is not reliant on brand deals, but it's reliant on something that is um, outside of that. And it's, it's not um, tied to one particular place. We can get paid like just because we have put out content uh, that's evergreen, let's say, that could exactly. bring us money, yeah. And how, how do you think about monetization with YouTube? Can you tell us a little bit about it? Yeah, okay. So uh, that's it's, it's interesting. Like I, I used to think that people with 500,000 would earn a, like a lot from AdSense, but AdSense revenue is heavily dependent on the location of your viewers. So YouTube, the majority of my audience comes from South Asian countries, India, Pakistan, Bangladesh, Sri Lanka. Um, There's some from the US. um, So that's where my RPM goes slightly higher. 
but the Indian RPM compared to that, the, the US RPM is 10 times that of India, 10 oh. times. So if my audience were from the US, all of them based in the US, my earning would be really 10 times what I'm earning now. So um, at this point, like I put out like one long format content per month plus four shorts. Um, and per month, my earning is about 800 euros, which doesn't sustain me, doesn't pay much. It pays like just part of my rent and a bit of my groceries. So I cannot rely completely on it, which is why I'm still reliant on freelance. But yeah, this is how much I, I, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm a bit shameless. I don't mind sharing my earnings if that's, that's okay. Of course. Of yeah, course. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't mind like talking about money. Like I feel like people should talk more about money. I, I, yeah. So I, I'm just like, I'm, I don't, I have no problem telling you about my ads and something. So yeah, that's the amount that I get from YouTube, but I feel if I put out more YouTube videos, I, I'm sure that it will bump up a bit more, but it's, it's still not, I cannot rely on it completely. It's consistent though. It's, yeah. It's consistent earning per month, but it's not as much that uh, as, as you would think it is like for someone who has right now half a million followers on subscribers on YouTube. Sorry. But just saying now it's like you are starting to monetize. You said you started monetizing this summer and you are growing very fast. So that earning is going to grow. Mm. I think. <laughs> <laughs> I I would hope so. I would hope so that earning, but it does not, it's not exponential. Let's just say it's not okay. going to be like that because that earning is like, now, I mean, I was earning, I was um, growing exponentially back when I was going viral during the summer. Oh, okay. And then I got monetized, let's say, right a bit after that, because it took time for YouTube to realize because it was so fast. I went from 1,000 to 200,000, like in a few weeks. It was so crazy. Whoa. And by the time I had like, you know, the, the YouTube uh, play button for 100,000 followers, I was already at 300,000 or 400,000 by then. <laughs> yeah because it was so quick but then since then now it's been consistent it's I mean slow and let's say it's a steady uh, slow and steady growth on YouTube that's good. also nice though yeah that's what that's where I you, it's like an upward slope yeah 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 that's that's where I like to be and yeah. I, I think when you're going viral there's so many aspects to it that's like good and the bad because there's also like so much hate comments coming in mm. that you didn't even expect would come in along with a lot of love from and suddenly you just you're like wait am I famous what what is happening <laughs> I think my you friend, are. yeah in India but in India though <laughs> because my friends say oh you know I was sitting in my office and uh, my co-worker was watching one of my one of your videos and I and she was like oh I like this creator and my friend is like but you know she's my she's my friend and they're like what you know her <laughs> Someone else said they were traveling in the train and someone someone was watching my video and they, they overlooked and they quickly sent me a message like, oh, I saw someone in the train watching your video and you know, randomly on in the train. Wow. <laughs> it's so crazy. But yeah, it's, I mean, it doesn't mean much, right? I mean, it, I mean, it's nice, but it's okay. It's, it's not, that's not something I was going after really. I mean, I didn't want, I, I don't want to be like super famous or whatever. I just want like a consistent, nice little business of mine. <laughs> But that's like, but that's like a huge accomplishment of how you can, yeah, like how you can do that within the course of a few weeks and you start monetizing. So it's already an, a nice beginning. And I think like, sure. as you start to grow, like at this rate, then maybe you will reach more a Western audience where the RPM is higher and then you will earn more income. That's what I think, because it's always, it's always the hardest in the beginning, but like once you start to grow, then it's easier. For sure. I mean, yeah. I just need to get a bit more consistent with that. Once the course is out, though, I mean, I think I will be less stressed. 
Yeah. Okay. So you mentioned about your course. So this is like one of your strategy to rely less on uh, freelance work. Is that correct? Yes. Um, I like free freelance work for sure, but it's um, it's the business model, right? Freelance work is basically trading your time for money. Um, and mm -hmm. I want something that's a bit more passive than that. So I can really concentrate on my content work, but because of this freelance work, which I'm so heavily dependent on, mm -hmm. and it's a lot of work, it takes up a lot of my time. Let's it's, let's say it's like a part-time job. And so because of that, I'm not able to concentrate so much on my own content. I'm not able to put out as much content that I would like to, let's say more vlogs on YouTube or more reels. Like I, I still have like followers of mine saying, Hey, can you put out like more than just one reel per week? And I say that, oh, it's just, I can't, like, I'm just so restricted with time. So I don't yeah. want that. I would still like to do some freelance. It's still nice to create content for, for others and for other brands or whatever, let's say, without worrying about it doing well on my own, uh, on my own platform or like getting comments. So, you know, it's just purely creative work. So I like that aspect, but I still don't want to be so. So yeah, that's why I created the course. Um uh, why I wanted to create the course also because I feel so there were multiple reasons why I wanted to create the course mm. uh, of course I wanted a passive in uh, let's say a nice way of monetizing my work and not rely on brand deals and uh, freelance but also I feel people are so intimidated by Indian food in general like Indian cooking people think of it as this mystical thing with like random spices falling from here and there and so they just resort to like getting takeaway or Indian take away from a restaurant which is like so different far different from what Indians really eat at home so and and I wanted to like sort of bridge that gap and like show people that's actually easy there's really just a few fundamentals to Indian cooking and then you can really make your own food like Indian Indian food is there's no it's not like a standardized thing like let's say French cooking with like these five rules that you need to follow every time you can create your own thing by yourself so I wanted to help people do that so there was that aspect and of course like monetizing and 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 not be so stressed all the time where my money is coming from you know I think it's a really good strategy so you can have more time on your on your hand to create your own content exactly and then you can help people with like Indian cooking so it's very exciting yeah I'm so excited oh my god <laughs> I can tell that you put a lot of work into it and I think it will be very nice. It will be very nice when it comes out. Thank you so much. I really hope so. And and uh, I hope I get the satisfaction as you did as well with your course with helping food bloggers, um, you know, grow and monetize their content. I think you did such a great job on it. And I was I'm so proud of you as well for, for what you did. Oh, and you're amazing. <laughs> you can tell I'm such a cute little, I'm such a fan of you because... <laughs> I am a fan of you. <laughs> okay, let's 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 give each other autographs. <laughs> I should fly to Sweden. I'm thinking of it. To recap on this episode, can you tell us some of the lessons that you have learned on your content creations and food blocking journey? Okay. So mm. the lessons, wow, there's so many lessons that I learned. Um, so I think the top lesson I, I think I learned is that focus on quality over quantity. Like really, um, it's fine if you don't put out one video, let's say per month or like content, like consistently every day, but you have to be consistent. You have to be consistent. Don't, and don't worry about it being like the best type of content. I feel like a lot of us are like stuck at the analysis paralysis 
point like I spent like so long trying to come up with a name a handle name for my Instagram I think I spent like a whole week and then I came up with this name that now nobody even understands be extravagant so I understand it yeah you do but so many people think it's either I'm saying like be extra vegan and v-e-g-a-n like be extra vegan they don't read the t or they just forget the e in the center and they just read it as be extravagant so is it is like a pun it's a pun it's a pun people don't get the pun (laughs) so and when i explain to them yeah they get it but like yeah anyway so what my point is like keep it simple don't think too much about it It doesn't matter what the name is Uh, at the end of uh, the day it matters what your work is so consist- consistently put out content even if it's like one thing a week even if it's one video per two weeks but keep doing that mm-hmm. and consist- consistently keep trying to improve yourself don't ever like don't ever think that what you did is it's done and you don't need to learn anymore keep trying to invest in yourself in terms of educating yourself uh, keep looking at other people's content and seeing what they are doing better what they are doing really well what you like about them try to like put that in your content like keep learning trying to be yourself make yourself better every day even now I'm not satisfied with I'm with the content I'm putting out like I, I still feel like there's I can improve in so many as on so many aspects so yeah keep trying to learn keep being consistent and quality over quantity any day that's those are my tips <laughs> I was also like to ask like it's nice to focus on one platform but I think you should have a combination of one evergreen platform so for example youtube or blog Mm -hmm. and one that is more like um like fast growing platform like instagram or tiktok or tiktok yeah yeah because the way i think about it is like with the blogs and youtube you have evergreen content so you will have more consistent and passive stream Mm -hmm. of traffic Um, whereas on Instagram and TikTok, you need to constantly put something out there in order to gain traction. So I think if you have maybe start with two platforms, maybe Instagram and YouTube or Instagram and blog, then it will be nice because those strengths of each platform is kind of complementary to each other. So you can use one, yeah, you can use the long form platform to to host your content basically and the short form uh, platform would be like more like marketing to gain traction and drive traffic to that long-term platform mm-hmm. for sure and I really suggest like people who are making short-form content let's say TikTok uh, or Instagram to put out that video also on YouTube it doesn't matter mm-hmm. I mean if you still have the watermark I see so many people with the watermark a TikTok watermark putting out shorts on the same video on YouTube and it's working so don't worry just put it because uh, I think from next year 2023 YouTube is going to uh include also shorts in the youtube partner program so you can monetize with ads and everything on your shorts so that's a really um i think that's really um desirable for people making short time content like because earlier you need to needed to have the 4000 watch time hours uh on long form content but from next year it's going to be short so look out for that people like put out put it out like just take the same video put it on shorts forget about it very nice. Repurpose your existing Repurpose. content. Exactly. Yeah. And yeah, I'm curious, did your background in physics and the PhD helps with your content creation and growing your business? <laughs> Not even a tiny bit, let's just say. <laughs> because, I mean, what I did during my PhD has no relation to what I'm doing right now. It makes no, I mean, okay. 
except for this one aspect where I seem I, I understand the science behind cooking like I can understand um, you know convection microwaves um, the kind of heat transfer and I can understand like uh, you know what kind of components are in spices you know terpenes phenols etc uh, aldehydes and how that works but that's just the science behind cooking and me getting better at cooking let's say but it has no relation to the business aspect what I mean I had to learn all of the business by myself I was so bad at it at the beginning I have no idea how businesses work I did back I think when I, when I was young I, I for me a business was that you know that local chai shop guys business or the local uh, sari shops guys business for me that was a business I didn't didn't even understand what the business was so yeah what I did in the before has no relation to what I do now it was I had to study everything from scratch it was it was such a it was such a nightmare <laughs> but yeah that's just how it is I mean you keep learning every day is a new learning experience let's say yeah but like you have like such diverse knowledge now because you have all the academic and science work but you also have the practical and hands-on business skills I enjoy business skills so much as well. I enjoy, I enjoy the business part too. So yeah, yeah, I'm I'm happy that I have these two sides to myself. It's a, it's a funny story, let's say. I yeah. have a story to my to myself and my content creation. <laughs> and what is your future vision for Be Extravagant? Okay. Mm. So for Be Extravagant, I want I want to keep growing consistently. I don't want to go viral. I just want like a consistent, nice community. Um, I want to put out more vlogs on YouTube. I think people really enjoy that. Uh, and I enjoy making them as well. Um, I want to grow my YouTube. I want to grow, um, be extravagant brand. Keep. I want it to keep growing uh, a bit by bit like this, steady growth. And then I want, to, I want my course to be like, I mean, I wanted to do well. If it does well, I want to expand on that. You know, maybe create, so for example, this one is a um, all-inclusive sort of wholesome uh, course on Indian cooking that maybe I can like uh, diversify into like, let's say desserts, an Indian dessert course, or, you know, mini courses that are uh, smaller for people who want to just specifically learn on uh, learn one aspect of Indian cooking, maybe just South Indian cooking or something like that. If, if it goes well, I want to expand on that and see how it goes. And lastly, I it's still at the back of my mind and I, I, I am still working on it. Probably from next year, I will start working on this other YouTube platform that I had created to help people uh, create reels, to teach them all the things that I learned in these two years, to teach them what not to do, all the mistakes I made and how to make reels, short form contents, let's say, uh, and build a business um, for people, let's say, who have a similar background as I am or just starting out and they don't know what they're doing, they have no background in business or marketing or anything like that, I want to be able to like help these people. And uh, yeah, I, I want to create a YouTube uh, channel that I wish I had back when I was starting out. So that's one of my goals for the next year. That's really that's really good vision. And I can already see that happening very soon. Yeah, so I'm really, yeah, I'm really glad. I'm really glad to have you here today. Um, thank you so much for your time. Can, can I add on to this? Yes. So I would I would suggest like people, um, new new creators to already start thinking of products that they can sell in the future. Mm. Like maybe already plan ebooks or something like that, or a course even. Um, products that they can sell so that they have more um, 
let's say control over their earnings and not rely on these external aspects so just start thinking about it and start thinking about already things that you can create later so you, that you can sell which is something i wish i knew from before it's something i'm thinking about now but i wish i'd started earlier so uh, yeah once you have that audience to sell to you will do really well thank you for having me and thank you so much <laughs> it was great talking to you today thank you so much for your time and yeah you can follow be extra vegan oh, on yeah. instagram <laughs> enjoy her waiting list for her, her cooking course it will be amazing <laughs> i already signed up and i cannot wait you're better selling for me than i am <laughs> yes guys you can sign up for my waiting list and if you sign up for my waiting list you will get a special discount if you don't there won't be a discount <laughs> you pay the full price <laughs> you pay the full price but that's fine too but i will still I, i'll be happy to see you all there if you if you sign up and then let's cook some nice indian food you can you can follow my um my instagram for food content creator at food creator co and you can take a look at my food blogging course my my missions for that platform is to inspire creators to stay motivated on their journey and overcome their challenges so that they can shy and grow their social platforms and have as little pain points and um yes obstacle as possible and i'm open for any questions so if you have any questions about content creations or blogging feel free to message me uh, on there and yeah finally Thank you so much for watching this episode. It's already quite a long episode, but we really enjoy recording it and we hope you enjoy listening to it. Um, if you can, then I would really appreciate it if you can give a five-star rating to the show so that more people can enjoy the show and it will it will help and inspire more and more people. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. Yeah. And I will see you next episode.